good to be with you, good to worship with you, and uh, enjoying a beautiful snowy day this morning. Uh, One of the things I wanted to do in 2024 is to have a preaching theme for the year. Uh, There are a few reasons for that. First, my hope is that it will help me plan sermons uh, more effectively. Secondly, I also hope that tying in several lessons during the year back to one central theme is going to help us all remember what we talk about on Sundays better throughout the week. Uh, and throughout the year as well. And potentially, uh, another benefit is the unity that can happen when we are all thinking about one particular biblical theme uh, during the course of the year. And we've used biblical themes on a yearly basis as a tool in both of the congregations that that I've previously been a part of before coming here, and I've seen it do a lot of good in in those groups, so I figured we'd give it a shot and see how it goes. Uh, So as I was trying to decide what theme to select for our group this year. Uh, it's a tough, tough decision. I was thinking about ways that I need to grow spiritually and maybe ways that we can all grow spiritually as well. And there's so many things that so many of you do that are so praiseworthy, uh, that are so good. And so, you know, I was like, the theme doesn't need to be a critique as you all stink or anything. It needs to be a, a, a keep doing more and more. It's something to encourage us to as Paul would say to the Thessalonians, excel still more, to abound more and more uh, as to what you're already doing, but, but, uh, but add, add to your faith and that sort of thing. And so in thinking about ways that we can all improve even more and more and, and get even closer to what God would have us be, I came to the, the decision of this theme, which is drawing nearer. Uh, drawing nearer will be our theme for uh, for 2024, thanks to Steve for leading that song. We said that a lot in that song, draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord. So I uh, appreciate that very much. Uh, but when I hear that phrase, immediately a couple hymns come to mind. One is the hymn we just sang, and uh, the, the chorus repeats that quite a few times. Another is the, the newer, super popular hymn, Jesus, Draw Me Ever Nearer, uh, which is a great hymn. Uh, and I also was reminded of another hymn, Jesus, Let Us Come to Know You, as my nieces love that hymn. We were singing that with them this past weekend. And uh, Jesus, draw us ever nearer, is in the second verse of that. But not only is this phrase well-loved in the world of hymnody, uh, but it's an extremely biblical phrase. It's all over Scripture. The language of drawing near or drawing nearer Uh, appears 42 times in the English Standard Version of the Bible, which I use throughout both the Old Testament and in the New. In the Old Testament, it's used uh, most in the book of Isaiah, uh, which it comes up nine times in that book. But in the New Testament, the phrase draw near or drawing near appears the most in a book that we have recently studied, the book of Hebrews. Uh, Isaiah uses the phrase nine times in 66 chapters, The book of Hebrews uses it seven times in only 13 chapters. So naturally, in introducing our theme of drawing near, our lesson this morning is going to come from the book of Hebrews. And the text I specifically want to call your attention to this morning is found in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Now, if that text sounds familiar, that's because it probably should be. I actually preached on uh, this text just a few weeks ago. Uh, on the purpose and spirit of the assembly, of our coming together as saints. And so even though I've preached on it recently, though, I'm not ready to let it go yet. And I think there's more there. <laughs> I think this passage has a lot more to teach of us, a lot more to teach us, especially if we read it in light of this idea of drawing near, which I think is a central theme to what is said 
in, in this text. So read with me if you would. Hebrews chapter 10 will begin in verse 19 there of Hebrews chapter 10. The Hebrews writer says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So you see a couple draw near, drawing near kind of phrases in there. But as we look at the beginning of this text, the Hebrews writer begins this whole section with therefore. And of course, if there is a therefore, we better know what it's there for. Uh, So the writer has just finished up a discussion of how Christ's sacrifice is superior to the animal sacrifices of the law of Moses, in that it, as a single sacrifice, is sufficient to forgive sins forever. So although this is the context that has just come right before this text that we're looking at, uh, in reality, this particular therefore, in verse 19, is actually, I think, a major turning point in the entire book of Hebrews as a whole not just in this little section here. Uh, Up until this point, the author has made a lot of detailed arguments from the old law about how Jesus is greater, again, based on the legalities of the law of Moses. But here, he gets very personal. He starts addressing his audience personally and directly and continues that uh, throughout the rest of the book, though he, of course, does call back uh, to the Old Testament some uh, continually through the rest of the book. So, we are to consider every thing that's been said previously to demonstrate the ultimate point that Jesus is greater, which maybe you remember from our study of Hebrews, Jesus is greater than everything and everyone else. And with that most powerful of backdrops, the Hebrews author gives three directions here in the second half of chapter 10, all three of which are indicated by the phrase, let us, at least in the ESV they are. And those phrases are, let us draw near let us hold fast, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So that's going to be the basis of our lesson this morning. Let's consider the first of these now. Let us draw near is the first thing he says. Consider what the writer says in verses 19 and 20. He says, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us. When we think about the backdrop of the old law, the law of Moses, nobody had confidence to enter the holy places. Judging by earlier in the book and the way this phrase reads in Greek, he's talking about the most holy place behind the curtain. In fact, he even talks about that here, going behind the curtain. He's talking about the most holy place, and and the most holy place was anything but open to people. People entered in a manner that was anything but confident. And so this is radical. Only one person in the old law was allowed to go into the the most holy place, and that was the high priest. And even he was only allowed to do so once a year and likely went in with a constant sense of fear that he might be struck dead. I mean, tradition would tell us, I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds pretty cool or, you know, makes the point that they tie the rope around the guy, you know, and and in case he died, they could pull him out. It's not scriptural, but tradition would tell us that that's what they did. But ultimately, it just makes the point that that's the reality of the Old Covenant. 
that's, that's what the reality was in the law of Moses. The average Israelite was not allowed anywhere near the holy places, only the high priest. But that's even the Israelites. That's God's chosen people. That's the people special to him. So just think about the rest of mankind, what that means for them. They weren't even allowed in the temple courtyard. So the vast majority of people couldn't get anywhere near the entry place to the holy places under the Mosaic law, much less in the holy places. But the Hebrews writer says, that's not so anymore. Things have changed. The Hebrews writer tells us that Jesus has changed everything. He offers his blood as the blood of a new covenant, where he is both the sacrifice and the high priest, verses 19 through 21 tell us that. And through Jesus, we are invited to draw near. We are invited to enter the holy places. Wow. Is that lost on us sometimes? I think it's lost on me a lot of times. Just how significant this is. Under the previous covenant, everything was designed to keep people away from the actual presence of God where he dwelled most fully in that holy of holies. But under the new covenant, you and I are invited, encouraged to come into the holy places, into the presence of God, not even with trembling, but with confidence that is ours by the blood of Jesus. We have that. Jesus has offered it to us. Wow, that's amazing. I think that's lost on me sometimes. But if that's the case, then the only logical thing we can do is exactly what the Hebrews writer calls his audience and us to do, which is to draw near. Let us draw near. If this is what has been offered to us, how can we not draw near? Why would you stand on the outside, on the outskirts, where you had to be previously, when God has given his son as an eternal sacrifice and a high priest, and his son has willingly given up his body as your way to be in the presence of God and offered that freely to you? Why would you stand on the outside when you have this amazing blessing? Why would you stay on the periphery, on the outskirts, where you, when you've been invited into the very dwelling place of God himself? Now, I will say, insecurity is a very real thing. Insecurity can be a real threat to all of us doing that, not feeling good enough. I think we've all dealt with that at times. Some of us express it and some of us don't. But, but I think we all kind of have that sense at times that we never feel good enough to be on the inside. We don't feel like we're worthy of that. But here the Hebrews writer says, in no uncertain terms... That it's not our worthiness or our lack thereof that counts. It's just Jesus' blood. That's what counts. It's his perfect, his eternal sacrifice and priesthood that make us able to draw so near that we are in the very holy places themselves. We are in the presence of the Almighty God. And I really don't think it can be overstated how much we need to hear and heed the direction of the Hebrews writer here. This is much too good to be standing on the periphery. This is much too good to be standing one foot in and one foot out, kind of straddling the Christian fence. Being in the presence of God is what the entire creation has been groaning toward, longing for, ever since man's expulsion from Eden in chapter 3 of Genesis. That long. Everything's been longing for this. 
And guess what? God has offered it to us. We are blessed through that offer. He's offered it to us through Jesus Christ, his son. And so, how can we not give ourselves fully to him? How? How could we not? How could we not leave behind everything that would weigh us down or hold us back? The Hebrews writer will talk about that in chapter 12, laying aside every weight. It's worth it. If this is what's on offer, being in the presence of God, being in the holy of holies, being so close like everyone needed to be, wanted to be for so long, but couldn't be, and now we can, why would we not draw near, as, as near as we can? And so as we wrap up this point, I want everyone to hear me clearly as I speak to myself and as I speak to everyone else here. If you are straddling the fence spiritually, if you are not fully committed to Jesus and to following him alone above all else and above all others, get off the spiritual fence. Commit yourself 100% because being in the presence of God is just too amazing, too wonderful, too great a blessing to miss. It's too wonderful. So get off the fence. Let's all get off the fence and draw near. Draw near through the blood of Jesus. That's what we're invited to, and that's what we must do. The second encouragement the Hebrews writer issues is found in this statement. Let us hold fast, he says. So we've got to do a little thinking on this one, because he doesn't give us everything that, that is contextualized with, with this statement. I mean, what are we to hold fast? He does say that. He says, the confession of our hope. Okay, but what is the hope that we confess? Well, let me direct you to the book of 1 Corinthians as we think about the answer to that question, specifically in chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So our hope is that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised. That's of first importance. But here's what's interesting. Twice in talking about this in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul uses this phrase, in accordance with the Scriptures. Twice, in a very short amount of time. Why does he repeat that? Why is that in there? I mean, we get Jesus died, was buried, and was raised. But why, why the need for the Scriptures? I mean, that, that's the point, right? Well, there's a reason it's there, as, as in all of Scripture, I think. If we look back at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, the writer says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for, notice this, he who promised is faithful. What, what do the scriptures show us, both Old Testament and New? What, what are they pointing us toward? I would argue one of the biggest things scripture shows and teaches us is that God makes promises and keeps them. God makes promises and keeps them. That's what the whole of scripture is showing us. As far back as Genesis 3.15, God is making promises that are recorded in his word. And as we continue to read through the scriptures, what we see, aside from man's continual rebellion and lack of faithfulness, is God's continual and unceasing faithfulness, his constant promise-making, and his constant promise-keeping. That's what we see. Scripture paints this beautiful narrative of God's promises being made and kept. And that's, that's why Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that begins with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection— 
in accordance with the scriptures leads to his declaration of our hope in verse 52 of the same chapter. Uh, and, and following verse 52, he says, The dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed, and death is swallowed up in victory. Well, that's our hope. But it's our hope because God has made that promise, and he's kept it, and we can trust him. He's faithful. All God's promises, which are recorded for us in Scripture, he has thus far fulfilled. And the Scripture shows us that as well. So what hope are we to hold fast to? That God will fulfill his promises. That he, the promises that he's made in Scripture, the promises that are yet to be fulfilled. Not every promise has been fulfilled yet. Even what he's talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the dead being raised imperishable and, and us being changed. So how do we gain and maintain that kind of hope and confidence? I would suggest to you this morning that we, we gain and, and maintain, that we hold fast our hope and confidence by drawing near and staying near to God's promises given to us in his word. I think that's how we do it in a big way. Things change constantly in this world. I don't have to convince you of that. Things change all the time. People change. The person you knew yesterday is not the same person you know today. Circumstances change. Circumstances change all the time. Our environment, uh, the people and things around us, and that sort of thing, those, that changes, and so on. But you know what's beautiful about God's Word? Just like God Himself Though the word is living and active, it also does not change. God and his word, the only things that never change. And so no matter what state our lives are in, no matter how much everything around us, a lot of times feels like it's breaking loose and nothing is certain. You ever felt that way? Like you can't control anything. You're trying to grab onto something and nothing seems to stay the same. Everything's changing. Your entire life is falling apart and you don't know what to do about it. We can hold on to the scripture. That seems like a non-answer. What do you mean? My life is in pieces. The scripture? This is going to solve my problems? Yeah. Because it's constant. And everything else changes. But God and his word are living and active. But they do not change. And we can hold on to that. And so in other words, bringing us back to Hebrews 10, we can hold fast to God's word. No matter what is happening around us or even what is happening inside of us. And this makes perfect sense when we think about what is at stake here. We're talking about being in the presence of God. If Jesus has opened this new and living way to the Father for us, is it not perfectly logical that our response should be to then draw near and then literally hold on for dear life? That's it. But if I haven't convinced you that one of the primary ways, if not the primary way, that we hold fast to our hope is through Scripture, let's back up a verse from what we read earlier in 1 Corinthians 15. Consider verses 1 and 2 here. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you. Paul's talking about how important it was for the Corinthian Christians to hold fast to the word that he had preached. And of course, Paul's an inspired apostolic writer. His words form quite a bit of our New Testament. So Paul's words are more than just anybody's words. These words that he's speaking of are the words of God. 
And so then, of course, in verses 3 and 4, he talks about the scriptures, which would refer to the Old Testament as well. He wants to point them to. In Paul's day, which generally speaking was also uh, the time, time frame, the era of, in which the Hebrews writer wrote, there were lots of threats to the purity and the genuineness of the gospel. We just discussed that in our study in Galatians. They were dealing with that quite a bit. This other gospel, Paul says, what? Why would you turn to that? And we've seen it in Romans as well. I mean, there's a very real possibility in all these circumstances of Christians being led to drift from what is true, being led to drift from the actual gospel, and therefore drift away from Christ, their only access to the Father. And so what's the solution? Paul gives it here. Hold fast to the word. Hold fast to the word. Even when that specific language is not used, like in Galatians, the answer is still hold fast to the scriptures and to what Jesus and his chosen inspired apostles taught. If anyone teaches you any other teaching than what we gave you, let him be accursed. Don't listen to him. Stick to the word. And the same is the answer for us in our day too. And the form in which we have God's word is that which is perfect and complete, the scriptures. And so then, the Hebrews writer's admonition speaks strongly to us, even this morning. Let's hold fast the confession of our hope by holding fast to the word in which we learn of that hope and by which we can gain confidence in it. The third and final let us statement here in Hebrews 10 is given in verse 24. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So summed up, you might say the writer is saying to these Christians, let us consider one another. At least that's what fits on a PowerPoint slide. Uh, but the final let us instruction given here is to consider each other. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I won't try to rehash the entire lesson on the assembly that I preached a few weeks ago. But I will just briefly say that our assembling together on the first day of the week and even during the middle of the week are a big part of this. They are a big part of it. We need to be together regularly, gathered specifically with spiritual purposes in mind, like we are this morning, if we are to hold fast and if we are to please God. But I also say this, it cannot stop here. Oh, this has to be here. Make no mistake, but it can't stop here. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is only one way the writer applies this principle. So the command is, if we look back at the text, Consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Let us consider. Think about that word. What does it mean to consider? Let's think about it. Give attention to it. Work on it. The writer encourages his audience and all Christians to look around at your brothers and sisters. Consider one another. You got to know one another to do that. Consider each other. What are their needs? See what they need. See what they need spiritually, especially. Love and good works. Loving God, doing good works to your neighbor. How are they doing spiritually? Uh, see, see what they need to keep going. Some of us are really struggling. Or, or see what, what kind of push they need uh, to start doing what they have great ability and potential to do but are not doing. Showing up to worship and Bible study is great. It is necessary. We need to be here every time the doors are open because we need that. But it's not all God intended for us to do for each other. So my challenge for all of us, and self especially, is do we spend our time thinking of what our brother or our sister needs? 
Are we working on that? Are we looking out for each other's souls? Do you set aside time to plan just how you are going to spiritually encourage individual members, people here that are part of your church family at Edgebrook Lane? I talked last week about how being a disciple of Jesus is not something intended to be done in isolation, as our screens would often drive us to, to be isolated. But rather, discipleship is a community endeavor that involves serving one another. I think that's exactly what the Hebrews writer is getting at here. We need to be close to each other. We need to be looking out for each other. And as the language in this text would suggest, we need to give serious thought and effort to how we can best serve, encourage, and push our brothers and sisters in Christ in the ways that are spiritually needful for them. We ought to be about that. So here I've made three points based on Hebrews chapter 10. You might say, fine, I see those. Good points. Maybe you don't, but, but only the first one actually talks about drawing near. So what, what, how does this all tie in there, preacher man, you might be saying? Well, I often construct imaginary objectors, and yet again, I will answer them. Maybe you're not thinking that. <laughs> but I want to be very intentional about tying all these things together, the, the way I think the text intends them to be tied together. They're all linked here. You see these, these three let us statements that we see here? They build on each other. The first is essentially let us draw near to God through Jesus. All right, let's, let's come into God's presence. Let's enter the room. The second could be rephrased, let us draw near to the word through which we hold fast to Jesus as Lord. And the third basically encourages us by saying let us draw near to each other so that we can all stay close to Jesus together. You see how those things work together? You really don't want one without the other. They all keep us close to God himself, drawing near to him initially, holding fast to his word and our hope, which is in, given to us in his word, and considering one another, making sure we all stay strong. I think that's the design of those instructions, to, to work together to keep us close to God himself. And so with that being said, for each quarter of the year, we're going to focus on one of these specific areas. So in the first quarter of this year, our lessons and our emphasis will focus on drawing nearer to God. And so that, that will be the, the first quarter. And then the, the second quarter, we'll look at drawing nearer to each other. We'll try to do some things and have some lessons that, that focus us on that. And then the third quarter, we'll focus on drawing nearer to the Word. And then the fourth quarter, drawing others nearer to God. And if you're thinking you might want to write that down, I'm going to have postcards on the back table after the service that you can pick up, put on your fridge, put at work, on your desk, wherever you want to remind you of what we're focusing on. But just to explain these real quickly, drawing nearer to God in the first quarter, our lessons are going to focus on being more mindful of our relationship with God as a whole and how to draw closer to God through Jesus, like the Hebrews writer talks about. And then the second quarter, drawing nearer to each other, we're going to focus in those lessons more on God's design for his people, for his church, and biblical ways we can draw closer together as we try to help strengthen each other in the faith. So that will be the second quarter. Then the third quarter is drawing nearer to the word. So during the third quarter, we'll, we'll look at how drawing nearer to the Word can actually draw us closer together and draw us all closer to God Himself. Again, see how all these things work together. And one of the ways, ways we are practically already doing that, uh, at least several of us already know, is through the daily Bible reading. Uh, and if you haven't picked one, one of those up yet, it's not too late. Uh, it's only a five-day-per-week plan, so it's going to be manageable to catch up at this point, for sure. Uh, but even if you fall off the bandwagon or you get started really late, 
just pick back up where you left off on that. The, the point isn't really to check a box at the end of the year and say, I got through all the words in the book. The point is to be in God's word, to be in God's word daily, to listen to God and to hold fast to the word. So that'll be the third quarter, drawing nearer to the word. And then the fourth quarter, we'll talk about drawing others nearer to God. The opportunity to be close to God the Father himself through the Son is too good to keep to ourselves. We can't keep that in this building. Other people need that. Everybody needs that. So we, we have to share it. Others are lost around us and need this good news. And so in the fourth quarter, we'll focus and discuss uh, on how we can reach out to people and share the good news about Jesus with them. But beyond preaching lessons on, on these areas, my hope is that we can also all work together in tangible ways that help us draw nearer to God, to each other, to the Word, and, and help us draw others nearer to God. And so I'm trying to make personal plans to do that, me and Cassie are, and hopefully we can all do that together as, as we try to draw nearer to God, to each other, to the Word, and draw others and to know the blessings that come from knowing Jesus Christ and being part of the kingdom of God. I'm excited. I'm excited for this new year, excited for this theme. I'm, I'm especially excited to start this year working in the Lord's kingdom with all of you. That is uh, a blessing that I do not take for granted. And, uh, and often as, as the prayers are made before the offering uh, about using the money to further the Lord's work in this area, I take that very seriously, that a lot of that goes to support me and uh, excited about what we can do together and, and thankful for the opportunity. Uh, to, to study God's word and to give focus to that. It's just, just a great blessing. Uh, but I'm, uh, above all, I'm most excited that Jesus has given us a way to be in the presence of God. Nothing beats that. And now we get to grow in him, and now we get to share him with others. That's what we're about. It's just such a blessing. And, uh, and I truly am so excited about all that, but especially about the, the good news that we have to share that we talked about in class. Well, that's all I've got for this theme. I, I hope uh, you're excited as I am to focus uh, even more specifically on this as we try to draw near to God, uh, to each other, to the Word, and draw others to Him this year. Uh, if you have a spiritual need this morning and you need to be drawn closer to God, we've all been in that place before, and maybe some of us are in that, that place this morning. And so if you do have that kind of a need, we'd love, love to help you with that this morning as we stand and as we sing.